Well, welcome to ICU Talks here, Voices Podcast. This is Kim Honeycutt. I am one of the volunteers with ICU Talks, and I'm ecstatic that you're listening, but I'm also super excited. I got two really, really good friends here with me today, and so since they are so special, I know they're going to want to introduce themselves. You know I'm talking about people. You know the type. You know what I'm saying. Instead of me introducing them so... Go ahead, Kristen. Tell everybody who you are. Hey, guys. I'm Kristen Young. What else do you want me to say? Uh, I'm Kim's favorite I'm, friend. Uh, right? Whoa. Oh. Fight over me. Right Fight over me. I'm right here. <laughs> I'm Danielle Justice. Hey, Danielle. Hi. We're so, classified in the good friend group. That was pretty. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's, it's a status. So Danielle is a board member for ICU Talks and takes what we do very seriously as a mental health speaking ministry. We're working really hard to end the mental health stigma, particularly the abuse of people within the church when they share that they have depression or some such a trauma. If people would stop doing that i would be quiet but they haven't stopped Mm-mm. so we're going to use the stage we're going to use podcasts we're going to use social media we're going to use every avenue that god avails to us until people stop getting mistreated within the church or anywhere when it comes to um, emotional struggles and so Kristen is a speaker that we had in 2019 and she's also just a a special person who is my understanding Kristen, you're the first female campus director of a church in Charlotte, is that right? I don't know. It might be. It sounds. It good. might be. It sounds. Does sound. It good. really sounds. I think we should just go with it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Mosaic Church is where we have our third Tuesday of the month event, and so we are not Mosaic, but they are an amazing church and let us meet there and without charging us. And so Kristen is the campus director for the second campus yes. called Metro. Yes. So pretty cool huh yeah yeah so let me tell y'all why we're doing this podcast today here's because this is a special podcast here's why this is happening so Kristen doesn't care about my schedule and how busy I am or how many text <laughs> messages I get she decides in the middle of the day while I'm with patients so I'm a psychotherapist to text me and say hey tell me a book has to do with food but not eating disorders not necessarily disorder eating but maybe something about food and has to do with relationship with food do you have any recommendations go it's like oh good grief so I knew you would know. Of course I knew, right? Hello, I I've research. been doing this for twenty I years. Be bothered? That so, was your research, right? right. To and and <laughs> she didn't tell me it was for her, but I sensed that, and so I just said, "Hey, there's a there's a woman named Janine Roth, and so she's pretty famous for just her 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 own struggle with an eating disorder, and she found a very unique her own way of getting through that. And it was nothing that was done treatment center wise. It was just her own thing. And then she started writing books. And so I said, Hey, what about when food is love for you? And so she read it and Kristen, tell us what happened next. Yeah. I looked it up on audible right. and I was happy that it was a su- pretty relatively short read, but it's still, I was like, okay, I'm going to read this the next week or so. I listened to it in that day. Wow. Um, I remember being on page three and like, tears just streaming down my face and I was yelling at my phone I'm like you don't know my life Janine Roth (laughs) get out of my head (laughs) um yeah it just was not what I thought it was gonna be I am somebody who I I guess I have an emotional uh poor relationship with food emotionally right it's not something I talk about Really right. ever. Is that why you were looking for the book? Like, why were you looking for the book? For myself. Okay. Because I was in a very, uh, a, a low week of, like, severe self-loathing where I could not stop eating. Um, I was just 
going through like bags of M&Ms. I mean, whatever I could get my hands on, Nutella out of the jar. Like it was just one of those weeks where I felt like I was out of control of eating. Couldn't rein it in. I could not stop. And then, yeah, but I knew it wasn't right. You know, I'm like, there's got to be something. Like something has to be mentally wrong with me that I can't physically stop eating. So let me me look for help. Like it was that point where I was, I mean, just the self-loathing. That was the key where I was like something, like I need help here. Right. So you got it that there was something separating you from who you really are. Yeah. And that it was manifesting in relationship with food. Yes. Right. Yes. So what was the surprise? Because when you heard the title, When Food is Love, Mm -hmm. and so, but you still were shocked when you read it. Like, what was the shocking part? So much of it was tied to control. Um, Because for me, this is something that I can't control. Right. So that was... I was like, oh, I'm seeking control, which anybody that knows me knows I like control. I'm a planner. I think I can control things. Um, I think that's partly why I got the campus director job, because they know I'm going to make things happen. I'm, You'll get things I'm organized. Done. I'm Yeah. That you're an Enneagram I, 3 is what you I'm an Enneagram <laughs> 3. I like to, or, you know, I, I make things happen. But this was one area where I could not make things happen. And as I listened to this book, she basically was explaining how compulsive eating or compulsive anything behavior right. is tied to control. It's tied to intimacy, It's tie- which I've been on a year-long struggle of trying to tear down walls and actually allow myself intimacy within relationships. Right. I mean, friendships, my marriage, like everything. Right, emotional intimacy. Emotional intimacy. So all of these things were coming together, and I just felt like she was in all of my thoughts. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I'm just wondering, like, Danielle, for you, you know, would you, how would you classify your relationship with food? I know we're interviewing Kristen, but I'm just curious because you're, you're a yoga instructor, you're big into CrossFit. Did you go in that direction exercise-wise because of your relationship with food or just because of sense of self? Yeah, more of sense of self. I think that I was, uh, you know, my story, obviously, I was a gymnast um, growing up, and so I was always active. So being active for me has always just been natural. I've never really had that struggle with, or a, a, I guess an unhealthy relationship with food. Right. Gotcha. Other things. Right. Not food. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's, what's interesting is that anytime we're separate from self, have that disconnection from who we really are, which I, you can call that addiction and you can call that trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, both can really apply. Um, but when we go and something traumatic happens and we're separate from self, that space between who we are and what happened gets filled up with behavior. Yeah. And for some people, that behavior is food. And part of the reason why I want anybody to know this is because carbs actually calm down your central nervous system. Hmm. So when something traumatic happens, your central nervous system goes haywire or it shuts down, right? It's fight or flight freeze. Mm -hmm. So when you eat carbs, you actually restore your central nervous system, and that is why so many children who have trauma will, one, present at a doctor's office with gastro problems, because that's part of how they're trying to tell people that something's happening in their home, um, and they will go into an eating disorder or disordered eating because food, they have no understanding why, but it actually calmed them down that day, helped them feel comforted. Yeah. Well, I think so much of our culture even like even on movies and TV and what that's always the thing like oh you're having a bad day let's go get cake yes oh you're yes. having a bad day like ice cream. your boyfriend broke up with you let's get ice cream yeah. right. oh drink wine like there's always like right. f- 
food is the comforting for women thing for women men, and for this women. is true i'm gonna say this is this is our yes. podcast men their friend will say let's take you to a strip club sure right so they go into a sexual thing yeah. and that's you know and so with women especially just so you know women who get sober more likely go into an eating disorder men who get sober go into sexual addiction because hmm. that's what society tells you you're right. allowed to do yeah that's what it's, that's what's available. I mean, us. think of all the reality TV shows. They are like they're always out to dinner, or they're always eating right. and mm-hmm. having a drink. I'm, right. My fir- my thought is like, how are they five pounds? Because <laughs> all they do is eat and drink. Yeah. Like, right. Absolutely. That's what you know the TV tells us to do. Right. Well, even church events. Why are they, Why yeah. is there food at church events? Right. Well, and that's a way, honestly, it's a way of us caring Gathering. for our volunteers. We're saying, hey, we know we're asking you to come for this thing. Like, we want to feed you. We want to love on you. We want to care for you. And I do think it's okay to tie food to celebration or to care or whatever, but it's when it becomes the answer to the bad day yeah, or the answer to the broken relationship or right. the answer to whatever is missing emotionally or mentally or whatever. Right. That's so when you were having true. that week yeah. of – extra Whatever. eating yeah i don't know what you want me to call it yeah. <laughs> just that bad week um <laughs> after you ate like when you finished that bag of m&ms like what did you like what happened did then you i feel just, just like have negative self-talk or oh what? yeah i just felt like garbage and i was trying to talk to my husband about it which again he doesn't really get it like just the male female yeah. you know it's separate um but i was trying to explain it to him how i felt just gross like i just felt like crap can i say you can say crap. crap. That was Kristen Mucker okay. Young saying crap. <laughs> and he, like, in he's his probably mindset, thinking, like, so what? He's who like, cares? No, but he's just... like, stop. He's like, so if you feel gross, isn't that enough right. to, like, make you not? I'm like, no, for whatever that's right. reason. That's right. When I feel like garbage, I'm like, well, who cares? Forget Keep it. it. Right. And that's what Janine in the book talks about, actually, this one right thing. Um, one right move syndrome, which is goes back to this whole idea that, like, the world is black and white and it's right and wrong. And... It's one or the other, and there's no gray area. And that, for me, is like, okay, well, I've already messed up. Like, I've already eaten the whole bag of M&Ms. So you have to start So now. I might as well just, everything oh, is just ruined. Eat, go ahead and, everything go ahead and is eat ruined. pizza. Yeah. Everything ahead is ruined. And, yeah. And so she talks about how the one, ri- the one wrong move is, like, one moment everything is fine, and then you compulsively eat, even if it's not overeating, you make whatever the behavior is, and then all of a sudden your life goes to like, okay, there's nothing in life that's right. Like it just flips this switch right. of if it's not if it's not good, it's bad. And if it's bad, it's terrible. And so forget it. Like well, it actually everything's goes into done. more of a, a childlike thought process. Yeah. Because we're doing regressive behavior. Right? Like adults don't get drunk. Regressed adults get drunk. Right. Same thing with food. And so when you're locked in and you're eating a whole bag of M&Ms, your next thought is not an adult thought. Right. It goes back to survival of like, I am good if I do the right things. And because I did the wrong thing here, like I'm bad. Right. So I'm, I'm bad. I might as well just, I can't be good. I can't be right. Right. So we stay in behavior because right. now shame drove us to behavior. Shame keeps us in the behavior. Right. Absolutely. So what's the difference as far as, because I think of eating a bag of M&M's, like, I allow myself to eat pizza on Saturday if I want to. Like, and I don't have that, like, I don't wake up and think and then eat M&M's in the morning or, and continue the cycle. Like, I I allow myself one thing and then I'm, I'm over it. Yeah. It's just interesting, like, how different people. Even the wording is you said you allow yourself. Well, right, yeah, like, and that's because that's yeah. what we're taught, yeah. that there's, there's mm-hmm. bad, there's good. And so part of, when you have an eating disorder, is learning that, because we're, t- you know, the, getting away from the fact there are safe foods. That's mm-hmm. the beginning stages of uh, recovering from Ed, and Ed is 
what we call for eating disorder. It doesn't mean erectile dysfunction. <laughs> in this room right now, yes, again, this, so different. Conversation. Male, female, yes. it's yes. so different, right? I just think if someone hears the, like our, our listeners, if they say like, oh my gosh, she ate a bag of M&Ms. Like they could be sitting there eating M&Ms while they're listening to this. I don't want to like, we're not saying, I'm not, we're not, I don't think we're saying eating a bag of M&M's. No, is, no, not at all. But for me, it was, A, I'm not talking about a bag of M&M's. I'm talking like a. Oh, the jumbo bag. A massive bag right. of well, it also, M&M's. And I'm not hungry. Right. And I know I'm not hungry. Right. And, I, and I'm. Feel out of control, like that's it. Like yeah. I don't even want like you to be physically eating them. Can't stop. I cannot. I would put them away, right. and next thing I know, I'm in the kitchen and I'm standing there and I am like shoveling them in, all right. the while thinking, I am not hungry. What right. am I doing? That's right. It's it's yeah. this connection so from self. Yeah. So a part yes. of what you're saying is like, Kristen, you can drink a beer. So yes. the, so listeners hearing that about what she said about M and M's, which is a great point. If I drink a beer, everything's different. Right. Everything changes. My reasons for drinking are very different than yours reasons mm-hmm. for drinking. Right. So you might feel a little different for a second, but you're not going to lose everything mm-hmm. for that beer. Right. But with food, people, I mean, it, the disease is thick. People can lose everything, mm-hmm. truly everything because of food. And we, we act like it's not a big deal. It is. It's significant. Yeah. And it's hard for me. It's really hard for me to talk about one, because I think in society, we're like, oh, okay, there's two kinds of people that have eating disorders. We look at somebody who's super obese and we're like, well, okay. People even make the comments like, well, they could stand to not have a piece of pizza or whatever. Right. It's horrible judgment. So, yes. So we're right. like, okay, well, clearly these people have eating disorders. Or we look at people who are emaciated and tiny and we're like, well, they never eat. They could stand to have a piece of pizza. Mm-hmm. And so we see these extremes. two physical extremes and we're like, these are the people that clearly have an eating disorder. I would not say that I have an eating disorder, but anybody in the gray area, I think it's even hard to talk about it's very much. A, having it as a struggle because there's so much judgment and so much like, what are you talking about? Yeah. What do you, you clearly are quote unquote fine. So why is right. this an issue? Just suck it up. Move on. Right. Who cares? Like, we don't want to hear it from you. That's right. right. And you just Which makes it harder. Right. But you hit on something huge for me because I've, I've been in treatment centers because of eating disorders. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you people have said to me, they would never think that about me. And so how I hear it is because I don't, I don't look like a cheerleader because mm-hmm. it's supposed to be a cheerleader disease. And also I never got small enough. So I'm not good enough. So I better do it again. Oh, jeez. Right. And that's, yeah. and that's where the enemy comes in and yep. starts attacking. And it is, it's my health. It's for me to, to know what my recovery is. It's like someone can say, well, can't you just have one beer? I'm like, well, do you have $5,000 for detox? <laughs> right. Like, it's a whole different game for me. My brain chemistry reaction to it is so different. And so what you just said is crucial for our listeners to hear is that there is no size. Mm-hmm. There is, it's about the fact that you are actually living small when God has called us to live big. Well, and as soon as someone tells you, we, we, I don't want to hear this from you, or you can't possibly be struggling with this, they just minimize. Like, well, this can't really be a legit right. issue mm-hmm. because look at you. Like, right. you know, all that does is tell me, okay, well, I guess I'm wrong or I'm dumb because this is not what I thought it was or I know this is a problem, but I have literally no one to talk to about right. it. Yeah, just so totally I'll just invalidates. keep it inside right. and I can manage it, but then like in a month or in a couple of weeks when it comes back again, I'll just make sure that my husband's out of the house and my kids are in bed when I have to compulsively eat right. or that I'm alone That's right. so no one knows. That's right. And all it does is just become this private, right. worse, it makes it harder to handle. Yeah. 
And she said, too, in the book, which I thought was so interesting, that um, an obsession with food gives us, like, a safe place where we can put all of our feelings. Yes. And that how compulsion and compulsive eating also almost becomes like a scapegoat where I always have a place that I can put my disappointments, my rage, my sadness. I don't have to actually attach those feelings to legit things that are happening in my life because I always have this thing that I can go back to and be like, oh, well, this is why I'm sad today. Yeah. Oh, well, this is why I'm mad. This is what I'm disappointed mm-hmm. in. And it's a, it's an escape, really. It's a way for me to say, right. oh, it's not a relationship with my, my relationship with my husband. Oh, it's not what's happening at work or that I felt left out from my friends. It's I'm mad at myself about not being able to, you know, everything I ate last night or whatever. Right. right. It gives us an excuse. Absolutely. And, and and I'm going to say this, but in case the Mockler family is listening, Kristen's parents, <laughs> this is not aimed towards you. Yes. But just want to say, for those of you listening, that our relationship with food many times is parallel to, relation, to the relationship we have with our parents. Hmm. So if you're restricted from love, you're more likely to restrict food. If you grew up in chaos, you're more likely to binge and purge. Mm-hmm. So just be aware of that. And so a lot of people will get in certain relationships so that it becomes chaotic and all of a sudden relationship with food can change and it had not been symptomatic before and had not manifest before. So it's a good thing, as Christian's bringing up, to look at the relationship that you're in. Is, is something happening in and all of a sudden food becomes love, as this book is called, mm-hmm. When Food is Love. Yeah. Yeah, she talked to, Janine Roth talked to you about how um, it becomes like a fantasy. So it's like this, oh, whatever the ideal is, whatever we're striving for, whether it's like to be thin or to gain weight, if it's, you know, somebody who's bulimic or whatever, um, that we're going after basically whatever was forbidden, that's what we're going for. And so like, yes, it's not my parents' fault, but we were very restricted on even what we could eat when we were kids. Right. We were not the kids that got juice boxes and Gatorades and all the things. Yeah. Which again, mom and dad, this is not your fault. She loves, (laughs) she loves y'all. But that definitely, I think played a part in how it got started for me. Cause I was like, oh, I mean, I can eat little Debbie cakes. Like this is okay. I can make my own food decisions. Yes. And so I think that was where I could then control. Right. What you're putting in your mouth. Right. And what made me feel better. And when I was having a bad day, I could just go get a milkshake if I wanted and call it dinner. Right. You know, these patterns start somewhere. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I, I also love the fact you brought this up, that for people to, to be aware, and again, I don't want people feeling paralyzed in what they say to other people, but I won't comment on someone's weight. Mm. I will very rarely, very rarely say something unless I know their entire history. Mm. Because when I was purging six times a day and people said, you look good, I just got reinforcement. Now, granted, they don't own that. Right. But because I don't know someone's history, I don't know if they've purged six times that day. I don't know if they're restricting. I don't know what's happening. I don't know if they're going through chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We really don't know. And so I think the best I've ever heard is that someone had said something along the lines of, you know, you look really healthy. I hope you're as happy as you look. You know, as mm-hmm. that kind of thing, like really being a care, being aware of our wording. Yeah. Because how when you are diseased, when you're in your eating disorder, how you hear things... It's totally different. When I first moved back to Charlotte, I was the thinnest I've ever been. And I hadn't seen a lot of people because I'd been gone. And that was, I had so many comments of like, oh my gosh, you look so amazing. You look so great. And in my head, I'm like, you have no idea the six month of hell that I went through to look like this. So then you think like, do I have to stay in that capacity? Like, do I have to stay in that mind and unhealthy um, of 
high anxiety and stress to keep my body this thin so people think I look amazing. Right, So if I put on a few pounds, I'm suddenly happier. Right, right. Like people comment the other way. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. Kristen, if you had one message compared, considering everything you've been through, which is a lot, if you had one message for these listeners when it comes to relationship with food, what would it be? I would probably just say just to be honest with yourself and recognize whatever it is um, when there's something wrong, you know, that it doesn't always have to be something major. Um, When I, just to contrast here, when I moved to Charlotte, I was here for about a year. um, And then, you know, I was my first year of teaching. We didn't have any money. So we just like ate whatever was free. People invited us places, wanted to feed us. We were like, great, sure. Well, a lot of the events that we were at, um, there was somebody who had worked at Panera and ended up bringing all of the leftover bagels and pastries and whatever. So we'd be like, we don't have money for dinner, but we'll eat this. Oh, you have a trash bag full of bread and carbs? We'll take that home. We'll eat it for two days. Right. Long story short, I gained a lot of weight when I first moved here. And I remember calling my mom on the phone, um, and I gave her a heads up about this story because <laughs> she had no idea. But I talked to her on the phone. I remember just bawling. I'm like, I cannot go to church because I literally have no clothes that will fit my body. Like, I cannot close my pants. I mean, I was just miserable. And the part that she didn't know was that I then went to my computer and I started Googling how to be anorexic. Right. And that is a story I've shared probably two people. Mm. And I think that God had saved me from that because had I tried to look up how to be bulimic, I think I probably would have succeeded. But because of the compulsion that I had, right. I failed at being anorexic. Mm. Um, all that to say those situations it's easy to be like i am literally sitting here googling to teach myself how to have an eating disorder that's a lot easier to say i need help yeah but it's in these moments of just like me last week okay something is not right like i know something is not right i don't know what it is i just know i feel bad about myself it's related to food just enough like just enough of a thought i would just encourage people to it doesn't have to be major right but like read this book reach out talk to somebody right that's going to allow you to share your feelings yeah, and not say, and not minimize it or say, oh, it's not a big deal. Right. And you did an exceptional job of so quickly. I mean, it shows your spiritual condition mm-hmm. and I hate to publicly compliment you, but I, <laughs> but I am of so quickly saying, Hey, I, like God's already given me the resources. Let me, let me reach out to Kim. Let me yeah. do some Facebook lives and some different things that you did of just kind of checking in with people without telling them the whole story. You still, cause you know, the enemy wants you to hide everything that you're going through because minimization is one of his one of his major tools because minimization is a lie right right? it's a flat-out lie and so you did such a good job and then just evolved for us to to bring you in and do a podcast about this to speak publicly yeah that this is really difficult we got to get the judgment off of people um i don't even like the word obese i don't even know what to call it anymore right i I just know that how do we love people not in the sense of where they are because that makes it sound as if they're in the wrong place Mm -hmm. right you know, it's just that it is about learning what is my relationship with food symbolized, what's really going on, and for us to stop assuming people don't have discipline or something's wrong with them, or because they're small, that they're happy. Yeah. Can we please stop assuming that? Yeah, and I think, too, just that it doesn't have to be – like, I feel like I'm very in control, but I still knew it was enough. You know, I still – like, it doesn't have to be where you're – on one extreme or the other, that like in that gray, in that in between, it can be one little thought, it can be one bad day. Like I've had a 
my last week has been great and I haven't had any compulsions. Wow. Like it wow. just, it comes and goes. But right. to be able to recognize it when it happens and say, even in this one moment, this one day, don't brush it off. Like it's still a big deal. It's still something to address right. because there's probably an underlying emotional absolutely something tied yeah. to it. Absolutely. And it, that is worth handling before it gets massive and out of control. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think there's such, there's such beauty in, and I'll say this in, in my recovery of this, and then, you know, I have a medical condition now that's really affected my hormones and really affected me weight wise. And people have made comments, things are happening and they don't know my history. They don't know. I mean, I have so many stories I could tell, but I take responsibility. Like what you say doesn't have the power it used to have. Am I thrilled when people make comments to me? No. But if I spiral, I spiral. Yeah. Like I, I had to get out of that blame game, being controlled by someone else. Um, and I, it just took hard work. It's really hard work to know that what I do next, will I take a drink or will I get on my knees and pray? Whether I binge and purge or whether I decide that I'm just going to eat till I'm satiated and actually be able to stop. Yeah. And then text one of y'all and say, hey, I'm okay now. Mm-hmm. That is up to me. We have to take responsibility for this. But you can't until you know what the underlying issue is. And have about is. 20 years of therapy. Right, right. Right? right. Like, that's, that's it. Like, right. I didn't start here. Right. I didn't start here. I started in, in – I'll share this story because it's on my heart. So I was a probation pro officer, and I got out of college, and I was very drunk, and I had a badge and gun. Yay. Oh, my God. Anyway. That's scary. Yeah, I remember walking through a prison, and, like, all the prisoners, they bang on things, and they scream at you. And this one guy yelled, I see you, you skinny bitch. And I was like, oh, I hope he's single. He called, <laughs> he called me, me skinny. <laughs> She's not mad that he oh, called her. no, <laughs> no. Or that I'm near a criminal. Like, I'm not concerned at all. All I was thinking, oh, he, he noticed I haven't eaten in 30 days. Oh, oh I love him. Like, that's how sick we can get. Society will tell you to be that sick. You might have parents and people around you that will encourage that. And so it took a lot for me to get to a point yeah. where I can be where I am. Because the weight where I was, great. It was great. I wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't serving God. Yeah. So we got to make a decision, right? So I really hope people find a therapist, find someone who knows what it means to have an eating disorder. Find somebody who knows what orthoanorexia is, who knows what bulimia is, knows what exercise bulimia is. It comes in many forms for us. Uh, bigorexia. Is, is another one. If they have this kind of language, it means they've got years of experience and, and they can help you go back to being you instead of food representing who you think you are. Mm-hmm. It's important. It's important. Yeah. So what's next for you, Kristen, when it comes to your recovery from this? I think for me, it's just knowing and just being able to recognize Okay, and being able to stop myself and say, like, why do I feel like, when I'm not hungry, why do I feel like I need this? And trying to put words right. and this is to the emotion or just, the feeling. Or, this was just last week, right? Yeah, and I ago. so appreciate that you're like, oh, you jumped on this quickly. But this is not a new. Right. I mean, like, you, do you know what I mean? But you started lapsing. Like, yeah. You yeah. jumped on that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think for me, it's just figuring out, like, why? Why do I think I need mm-hmm. to be doing this? Also, it is tied to exercise. It is tied to appearance. Like, it just is. It's all tied together. And so for me, just remembering, too, that um, giving myself grace even for that. I exercise because I like it, and it's a stress relief for me. It's also me time, and it's time when God actually, like, tells me things. Yeah, me too. But that means that I just have to let it be that. 
That's good. So if I That's sleep good. one day and I decide to sleep in the morning instead of getting up at 4.30, not to have to rearrange my whole schedule to work out that day, but just be like, I'm not working out today. It's okay. It's right. fine. Right. Because it's not about how I look. It's about being healthy. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And that means emotionally health, healthy, spiritually healthy. All the things. All of it goes together. Yeah. That's really, really good. Well, I want to thank y'all um, for hanging out with me. I love when my friends gather around a table. Good friends. Good friends. You're, you're on the top favorite 10. <laughs> you're on the top 10. My, and my top 10 friends hang out and talk about just difficult. I mean, this is, even though it's a common topic, it doesn't make it easy right. to talk about. And it's just emotional. So thanks, everyone, for, for listening. I want to remind you that if you go to icutalks.org, we have a resource tab there that lists therapists who specialize in eating disorders. It, leads, it lists support groups, different things that are available for you because uh, we want you well. We want you to be your authentic best self. And Kristen Markler-Young wants to get the last word. I was just going to say, I also posted about this on my blog. I have a blog called Turning yes. the Gem. Thank you for saying Turning that. TurningTheGem.com, G-E-M. Um, so you can find me on Instagram. Kim keeps calling me Kristen Markler-Young because that's my Instagram name. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did post about it there as well. So I just kind of dig in a little bit yeah. more. If you have questions, reach out. Um, I'd be happy to chat with you about yeah, it as well. Yeah, again, thank you for saying that. That's so important that you, you check out her blog. And again, Kristen's one of those people that people think when they see her, everything's good. Her life sucks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That is That's not true at all. But it is, it's still a struggle. I don't care what you look like. Yeah. The enemy still wants you hidden and, and trapped and in a pattern. Yeah. And you saw yourself going back into a pattern and you, and you said absolutely not. Yep. And so I commend you for that. So that's thank fantastic. You. So thank you both. Thank you, listeners. Yeah. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.